And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Well, I invite you this morning to take your Bibles, turn to Psalms chapter 73. Psalms chapter 73. We're in a series called Spiritual Burnout and... Uh, I want to talk to you today about a man named Asaph or, you know, you know, here in the here in the South, we put the emphasis. Well, number one, we create syllables where there aren't syllables. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? And when we do create syllables, we put the emphasis on the second syllable where I noticed when I lived in the Midwest, everybody put the emphasis on the first syllable. Now, the man's name is probably Asaph. Asaph. But it's a whole lot easier for me to say Asaph, okay? So this morning I may call him Asaph and I may call him Asaph, but you know who I'm talking about. This is a guy that we're, we're, we're being introduced to today in the scripture. He wrote Psalm 73. Psalm 73 verse 1 says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? Holy Spirit of God, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit of God, we ask you to, to minister to every man, woman, boy, and girl. We ask you to speak to our hearts. May, may we hear the voice behind my voice today. Holy Spirit, we thank you for words of knowledge and words of wisdom and discerning of spirits and the gift of faith and the working of miracles. We thank you for the gifts of healings. We thank you, Lord, for tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy. We thank you for the sweet anointing that destroys every yoke of bondage. And everybody says, Amen. 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 You know, a man once came up to me and he, he said, uh, Pastor Terrell, I want to ask you a question. He says, I just don't get it. And I said, well, what's the problem? What don't you get? He said, well, my mom, my mom is 85 years of age and she's suffering from dementia. She's gotten so forgetful, we've had to put her in a nursing home. And he says, now when I go and see her, she doesn't even know who I am. And here's what frustrates me, Pastor. All her life, she attended church. She was in church on Sunday mornings. She was in church on Sunday nights. She was at church on, in the midweek services. If there was a revival going on, she was at church. If the doors are open, she was there. And I just don't understand why God would allow her to suffer at this time in her life. And, you know, I, I realized that this man was expecting some things from God that the Bible doesn't promise. You see, in this man's mind, he thought, well, if you attend church faithfully, then you're not going to suffer in this life. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. And, you know, I'm glad you're here. I know this is a holiday weekend. I know we've got 25 of our members are in Cuba this morning. Thank God for anointing and blessing them. Amen. We've got a number of people that are traveling. 
but I'm glad you're here. But we don't come to church to try to get preferential treatment from God. You know, we, we come to church because we love Jesus. And when you really love Jesus, you're going to love his house. Amen. You know, I know there are people that say, I love Jesus, but they don't go to church. Well, I just question the, the depth of that love because when you really love the Lord, you're going to love what Jesus died and paid for. Amen. Amen. You know, we, we, we come to church because the Bible tells us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of son. But, but we come together that we might encourage one another. We might strengthen we want one another. We come together for the fellowship. You know, and fellowship is a whole lot more than two fellows in a ship. <laughs> fellowship literally means partnership. It's when we're partnering together to worship God. We're partnering together to work for the same cause. We're partnering together to make it hard for anybody from Tallahassee to go to hell. Amen? We make it hard for those around the world to go to hell. In fact, I, I, I'm so glad this morning that Chevdet and Sandy Ostemir are here with us from Houston. Chevdet and Sandy, come on up here if you will. Come on up here. We're so glad they're here. These guys, these guys are ministering to Turkish-speaking people in the Houston, Texas area. So just bring us a greeting. Just, just tell us how it's going. Thank you very much. It's great to be home. Home, home, sweet home. We love this church. We love the pastor. Is this mic on? I know I just turned it on, so. I might have turned it off. That would. Uh... Okay. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. All right. It's great to be home. And uh, so we are in Houston. It will be about two years now. Uh, we moved in uh, August 2017 and uh, we are trying to reach Turkish Muslim people and it's take, it takes time to learn the city to contact with people and churches ministries and it, it also takes time for churches and uh, you know ministries to learn about us about a Turkish minister who is in the town so these days uh, uh, several churches contacted with us and especially churches that have ESL classes they teach English to you know foreigners and they call us and they say hey we have some Turkish people coming to our classes ESL classes and some of them are asking questions about Jesus about Bible etc so they contact with with us and we go and meet with them and uh, and try to you know share the gospel and etc so one of them was Özlem she was 41 years old she was going to an ESL class and they said she's really hungry for the, for for God for the truth and we met with her and she came to our home we we had a great time I shared the gospel and then uh, I realized that she's really seeking you know she was Muslim but you know she she said she wants to learn about Jesus and uh, and I said hey if you want to you know I'm willing to do a Bible study with you we can start from it's called discovery classes discovery lessons start from Genesis and she said yes and uh, we did Bible study with her and she was very open and uh, she loved us and she she went to Turkey back to Turkey last two weeks ago but we are in contact with her and uh, we gave her a Bible and uh, we said hey if you have any questions please don't hesitate to contact with us we also we are planning to uh, uh, let her go to one of the churches that we know in Istanbul and uh, so uh, God used us you know in in uh, in her life and I believe her heart was very soft, very, you know, seeking the Lord. 
And it's just timing, God's timing that, you know, God will grab her heart and she will come to the Lord. And uh, uh, we had also two Turkish students that we spent time with them for one year. They came to our home several times. We fed them, you know, we just loved on them and we prayed for them. So they, they witnessed the love and power of God in and through us. And uh, we also, the day they left, we said, listen, we shared our home with you. We shared our food with you. We shared our family, everything with you. And now I, I said, I want to share the one book that changed my life. And we gave them a New Testament. And we said, please read. This is Word of God. And they, they said they, were, they wanted to have a Bible, you know. And uh, we are hoping that they will read the Bible. And again, we are still in contact with them. And uh, so... It's, uh, it's timing, you know, that God will grab their hearts. And uh, so we are there. More and more people and churches are, you know, finding us. And we are trying to reach more Turkish people, not just Turkish Muslim people, but also other nation, uh, nationalities. And uh, this is happening. And uh, just through the grace of God and the love, the financial support and prayer of you all. I know that many people pray for us and support us financially, and so we want to thank you. We really pray, God, that God will bless you spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. And so thank you very much. We love you, and God bless you. And thank Amen. you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you very much. You want to say anything? See, see one, of, one, of the, one of the fun things about coming to church is you get to see people. I didn't know these guys were even back home. I thought they were still in Houston this morning. And it is just so wonderful you, to have you guys. See, it's the fellowship. It's, it's partaking together of the things of Christ and loving Jesus and telling people about the Lord together. See, that makes it fun. In fact, Chevda, your brother and your sister-in-law are here from Istanbul. How about introducing them this morning and yes. asking them to stand. My brother, he's a lawyer. Can you stand up? My brother, Jahid, and his wife, Ebru, they are here with us. They will stay with us for three months. They want to have their child here, uh, birth here. So uh, we are very happy that they are with us and we, wanna, we want to take them with us so they can have some taste of Florida. <laughs> and uh, we want to take them to, you know, different places. And by the way, one thing, you know, uh, we try to uh, uh, have the culture of the city. So when we were here, we were FSU fan, you know, we did this, you know, and our kids learned it. And now we are in Houston, so we need to learn. You know, our kids are Texans. So I'm trying to find a way that we can satisfy oh both cities. So I do this, you know. <laughs> I don't know about that hook of horns, but I, amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, my own mom, God bless her, she lived a, a long life. She died at age 89. And, and you know, the last seven or eight years of her life, she lost her memory too whether you call it dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. And I know in those, that last year, there often I'd walk into the room where she was and she would think that I was, I was my uncle, Melton Moran. She thought I was her brother. And she just had us confused. And, um, and then she passed away the day after she turned 89 years of age. But you know what? God didn't take 
my mom, my mom died because we live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, bad things happen to good people. See, God bless my mom. My mom lived a, a, a wonderful life. And dear ones, what's important is that we count God faithful. See, I don't come to church as much as I love the fellowship, as, love, as much as I love to hear the word of God, as much as I, as, I, as I love to worship with you. And see, I bring my anointing and you bring your anointing and we join them together and there's a great, wonderful anointing. Amen? Amen. But see, I, I don't just come to church just trying to score brownie points with God. I come to church because I've been changed. I've been taken out of darkness. I've been brought into the kingdom of God's dear son. Let me share with you some definitions of burnout. We've got them. We're going to put them on the screen. We've got some definitions here of burnout. Burnout describes the condition of a person who has become mentally and emotionally exhausted in their reach for success, okay? And then we looked at a definition last week of spiritual burnout. Let's look at this together. It's a state of fatigue or frustration brought about by devotion to a cause, a way of life, or relationship that fails to produce the expected reward. And you remember we talked last week about Elijah. Here's Elijah, the greatest man in Old Testament history. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Elijah put 450 prophets of Baal to death. Elijah to turn the worship of, of, of Israel from Baal to God. He outran Ahab's chariot. He prayed and God broke a, a famine and a drought that had been three years in the making. I mean, God used him in some amazing ways, but in his, in his physiologically uh, depleted state, when he got news that Jezebel was going to kill him, he got depressed, he got into despair, and he suffered burnout. And dear ones, the Bible says this. It says the thief the enemy, Satan, came to kill and steal and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. And the devil has an agenda. He would like to create a sense of burnout in you. He would like to create a sense of burnout in me. And dear ones, it's so important that we understand what the Bible has to say about this subject. So we enter, we're introduced to a man named Asaph in, or Asaph in the Old Testament. He was one of the primary worship pastors in Israel. This guy had a tremendous anointing in his life. In fact, you'll remember that when David became king, David said, the first thing I want to do is I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant. I want to bring the Ark of the Testimony. Remember what the Ark of the Testimony was? It was, it was just a, it was a small box and it was covered, it was made of acacia wood covered in gold and it had a top on it that was called the Mercy seat and on top of the mercy seat were two cherubim, two angels and inside that box was Aaron's rod that budded and some of the manna and the, ten, uh, the, 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 the two pillars that contained of stone that contained the Ten Commandments. Okay, that's not really what's really important about the Ark of the Covenant. What made it really, really important is because God himself said, I'm going to dwell between the wings of the cherubim. God said, my manifest presence, the glory of heaven, 
See, the writer of the New Testament talks about tasting the powers of the world to come. He said, those powers of the world to come on this earth, he says, are going to be over the wings of the cherubim. And that's the reason David, see, King Saul was never interested in bringing the Ark of the Covenant to where he was. But David said, we want revival. I'm going to bring the Ark of the Covenant. And so look at what David did. Look at uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 15. Verses 16 and 17, it says, David also ordered the Levite leaders to appoint a choir of Levites who were singers and musicians to sing joyful songs to the accompaniment of harps, lyres, and cymbals. So the Levites appointed Heman. Who's the second person they appoint? It's either Asaph or Asaph, okay? But they, they appoint Asaph and Ethan. All right, let's go to the next chapter because they get the ark into Jerusalem. The ark is now in the tabernacle of David, which is literally a tent. And it says in chapter 16, verses 4 and 5, it says, David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord, to invoke his blessings, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. The first person mentioned is Asaph, the leader of this group. He sounded the cymbals. We go down a, verse, a few verses to verse 7. It says, On that day David gave to Asaph and his fellow Levites this song of thanksgiving to the Lord. Okay, so David has written a psalm. He's written a song. He says, I want you to put some music with these words. He says, this is going to be a song that is sung around the ark of God. Verse 37, David arranged for Asaph and his fellow Levites to serve regularly before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, doing whatever needed to be done each day. So here's this anointed worship leader. Here's this anointed singer. Here's this anointed man of God. 24-7, worship is going around is going on around the ark of God. There's worship. The glory of God is filling the place. I want you to know the Shekinah anointing of God was all over the place. Here's this wonderful man of God. And yet the Bible says, and this is hard for me to figure, the Bible says that this man came to a place. He came to a place where he was dissatisfied with the anointing of God and he started getting his eyes on other things. Dear ones, let, let, me, let, me, let me just say this to you. The most important thing you can do on a daily and regular basis, in my opinion, the most important thing you can do is go to the Word of God and read it and meditate on it Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I love the anointing. I love the manifestation of God's glory. I'll get into the presence of the Lord and I'll just begin to weep. I'll begin to cry. Everything inside me turns to jelly. Because in His presence there's fullness of joy and at the Father's right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But dear ones, that sweet anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage, that sweet anointing that makes you say, my, 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 it was certainly good to be in the house of the Lord today. 
That sweet anointing is actually, see, it's when we all get together and we're all pulling in faith and we're all believing God, it increases. But even when you're by yourself, you still have an anointing. The Bible says we have an anointing from the Holy One. But dear ones, we have to stir up that anointing. And one of the ways that you'll stir up the anointing in your life is to go to the Word of God on a daily basis and begin reading it. You say, well, Pastor, where do I start? Well, you know, start in the Gospel of John. In the Old Testament, start with Psalms, start with Proverbs, but every day spend some time in the Word of God and apply it to your life because I'm afraid that's what Asaph was not doing. Asaph was, was, was around the glory and the anointing of God, but apparently he was not in the Word of God. And I'll explain this in a little, a little more detail, but I'm going to tell you something. This Word will change you. You know, I was a senior in high school. When I came to the Lord, and got serious about serving Him. And I've told you before how I, I was, had an English literature class, a British literature class, and we were studying Beowulf, which was written in the seventh century. And if you've ever studied Beowulf, that's a hard to understand book, just the way they write it. And one day it dawned on me that my Bible was a King James Version Bible, translated in the year 1611, and it might qualify as British literature. And I went to my teacher and I said, can I contract with you to read this this semester instead of reading Beowulf? And Mrs. Stallworth looked at me and first she said no. And then she said, well, let me think about that. I said, look at it, read it. It is, it is King James Version. It is British literature. And she, she thought about it for a minute. She said, well, I guess you can. So, man, I would sit in class and my classmates, they were struggling to read Beowulf and trying to understand what in the world was going on. And I'm sitting there reading 1 Samuel where David said to Goliath, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, a shield, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, God's going to give you into my hand. And I'm sitting there reading this. And I want you to know the anointing of the Holy Spirit, I would literally start vibrating. I'd be sitting in my seat, and I would just be vibrating with the anointing and with the power of God. And I look around me, and nobody's got a clue what's going on because they are really having a difficult time. And man, I'm enjoying it. Hallelujah. I want you to know the Holy Spirit wrote this word. Amen. He's the author of this scripture. Well, let's get into this psalm this morning. Psalms 73, verse 1. Asaph writes, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Watch now, verse 2, important. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. Here's this man. He's leading in the worship of God Almighty. He's, he's, he's trafficking in the anointing and the power of God. But he says, I envied the proud when I saw them prosper. He got his eyes off God. He he got his eyes off what he was doing. Everybody look at me. It's so easy to get your eyes on other people. It's so easy to get your eyes on all the stuff that's going on in the world today. It's so easy, especially when you're struggling. Apparently, he was having some financial problems. Apparently, he was having trouble paying his own bills. But he says, he says, I looked over and I saw the, the, the wicked and I saw them prospering and I saw it looked like all their needs were met and boy, I know I'm struggling. I'm paying my ties and I'm counting God faithful, but I just don't see God being faithful to me. Boy, when we first planted 
our congregation on the North Shore of Chicago, I could have, I could have written this, 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 this psalm with him, especially these first five verses, because I've been there. I know what it is. You're trying to do everything you know to do. You're trying to obey God. You're trying to worship him with your tithe and with offerings over and above the tithe. And it seems like, it seems like the promises of God are mocking you. It seems like nothing's coming true. It seems like nothing's working out. Dear ones, I want you to know, weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And there may be seasons. There may be seasons that you go through. There are seasons that we certainly go through now and have been through in the past. There have been seasons where we just had to keep putting one foot ahead of the other and do what we knew to do and count God faithful because we didn't see the faithfulness of God. We didn't see, you know, David said, I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And dear ones, there are times that it'll seem that you're not seeing the goodness of the Lord in your life. You're not seeing the greatness of the Lord in your life the way that you would like to. That was what was going on in this man's life. I'll tell you what I learned. And there's some things it seems like you can't learn unless you go through something difficult that gets your attention. I'll tell you what I learned. I learned that God's not moved by my obedience Obedience is better than sacrifice, but God is moved by me exercising faith in him. Man, I know what it is to be writing out my tithe check. And the old devil would say, see there, if you didn't give this to the church, you'd have this money to pay this bill with. See there, you could, you could buy this for one of your children or you could do that. And I just have to make a decision right then and there. I say, devil, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. <laughs> I'm going to trust the Lord. And David said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I just say right now, I am not going to be forsaken. I may be going through a difficult time. There may be more month than there is money for, for when I get to the every, every, every month. But Lord, I trust you and I count you faithful. And I just begin to speak my faith. I begin to speak. There was nobody around to listen to it except me and the Lord. But I just begin to speak my faith. And I say, devil, you may have come against me one way, but you've got to flee seven ways in the name of Jesus. And dear ones, here's the deal. God doesn't settle up every Saturday night. He doesn't settle up sometimes when we would like for him to settle up. But I'm a good, a good testimony. I can, I can proclaim God has never failed me. He hasn't always done things the way I wanted them done. He, I haven't always been the most comfortable person in the world waiting for God to answer prayer. But God has always come through. He's a faithful God. Hallelujah. Look at verse 3. He says, I envy the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. How many of you know that's, that's not, just not true? It's just not true. They do have troubles. In fact, the more stuff you have, the more problems you got. You know, how many of you, how many of you would like to have a, a swimming pool in your backyard? Let me see your hands. Is that all? Somebody said, I don't like the water. 
Kathy and I don't have a swimming pool, but let me tell you something. I've had so many of my friends have told me, said, well, I sold my house because I didn't want to have to take care of that pool anymore. <laughs> In fact, I've got one friend who had a beautiful pool. I mean, a very, very expensive pool. And after about four years, this man was in the building business. And he says, I just had a couple of dump, load, dump, dump truck loads of dirt come over to my house. And I got a bulldozer. And I just, I just covered that pool up. He says, it was just not worth all that trouble. Well, the more stuff you got, more things can go wrong and the more problems you can have, okay? Verse 6, they wear pride like a jeweled necklace and clothe themselves with cruelty. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and speak only evil, and in their pride they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens, and their words strut throughout the earth. So the people are dismayed and confused, drinking in all their words. What does God know, they ask? How does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. I want you to understand what's going on. Here's Asaph, or Asaph. Here's Pastor Asaph leading worship. He's singing about the goodness of God. He's singing about the glory of God. He's singing about the might of God. But when the worship service is over with, he didn't go out to talk to everybody. He goes out the back door because he's upset. He's mad. God, you're not taking care of me. God, my needs aren't being met. God, if you were a good God, you wouldn't have me in this situation. Verse 13. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing, he asked? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. You know what he's saying? He says, God, you've let me down. God, you failed me. It's amazing how we can get amnesia about all the good things God's done for us. Let me ask you a question. Who put the breath in your lungs? Who's giving you some eyes to see with? Who's giving you ears to hear with? Who's, who's giving you the ability to, to, to move and crawl and learn to walk and then run and be mobile? Come on. Who's giving you free choice? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can get amnesia, though. We can forget about so many things. He says, verse 16, I tried to under, or verse 15, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. That's, at, least, at least he didn't get up and preach on this, okay? He didn't talk about it. Let me tell you what you need to do. If you feel like God's let you down, if you feel like you're just burning out spiritually, what you need to do is find a trusted friend who loves the Lord. Find a trusted friend who will listen to you and pray with you. You don't want somebody that's going to out-talk you. You don't want some, you know, you, some people, you, if you bring up something you're going through, they're going to immediately start talking about what they went through and, and, and they'll out-talk you. But find somebody that'll listen to you. Find somebody that'll ask you the, the questions that'll help pull the pain and the poison out of your soul. And somebody that'll pray for you. But here, here's the problem. When we're on the verge of burnout, you don't feel like talking to anybody. 
When you're on the verge of burnout, you're kind of like Elijah. Here's Elijah. Man, he gets this threat from Jezebel. He leaves the servant behind. He goes running out into the desert. He gets under a tree and says, God, just kill me. I'm no better than my father's. That's what burnout makes you want to do. Verse 16, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper, but what a difficult task it is. Now, verse 17, then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Then I went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. In an instant, there's destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. He says, finally, I got into the presence of the Lord. Finally, I read the scripture and I pressed in. Finally, I got my thinking transformed and renewed. Finally, things begin to change. He says, I finally went into your sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Verse 21. Now watch this. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. Then I realized that my heart was bitter, that I'm in an angry state of mind, that I'm resenting what I'm going through and I'm blaming God for it. And he says, I was all torn up inside. In the New American Standard, let's look at that verse. There we go. When my heart was embittered, I was pierced within. That phrase, pierced within, is the Hebrew phrase for being bit by a snake. There was a devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There are times the old devil will, will, will bite at you. There are times the old devil will try to turn you every which way but loose. There are times the old devil will get you to try to believe things about God and about yourself and about other people that absolutely are not true. But dear ones, you've got authority over the devil. Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. I love the story in Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul, remember he's shipwrecked, he's on the island of Malta, instead of sitting around and feeling sorry for himself, the Bible says he began picking up sticks and putting them on the fire. And when he did, the Bible says that a viper, a poisonous snake, lashed onto his hand. And you know what Paul did? He didn't say, oh no, it looks like I'm going to die. He didn't do that at all. Paul just shook it off over the fire. Dear ones, the old devil, there, there may be some fiery, some, some fiery serpents that'll try to attach themselves to you, but you can shake them off in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He says in verse 21, I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you, yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. Now, folks, grasp that. I still belong to you. He says, I've been over here. He says, I've just about been burnt out. He says, I've been believing things about you that weren't true. I've been believing that other people had it better than me. I've been wondering why, 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 why all my needs weren't supplied. And I've been wondering why, why I was a, a, a facing oppression and difficulty. And he says, I kept looking at those. And I said, those people got it all together and they're blessed and, 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 and they're not even trying to live for the Lord. And here I am. See, I'm comparing myself with these 
these other people, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. He says, I don't dare compare myself with anybody else. The only person I compare myself with is the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear ones, if you want to sleep good at night, quit comparing yourself to anybody else. Just compare yourself with the King of glory, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yet I still belong to you. You still love me. You're still holding my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Those who desert him will perish, for you destroy those who abandon you. But as for me, how good it is to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter, and I will tell everyone about the wonderful things you do. Verse 26, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. The King James Version says he's my portion forever, for God is the strength of your heart. Hallelujah. How can you get up and keep going when things are difficult? You can keep going because God is the strength of your heart. Hallelujah. How can, how can you put a smile on your face when, you're, when, you're, when you're, your emotions are all crashing around inside you, when brokenness is going on inside you? Because God is the strength of your heart. Who is the one who called you out of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his dear son? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. And what am I preaching today? I'm just saying, we don't have to burn out. We can stay on fire. Hallelujah. Glory to God. John, I just want to pray for you this morning. You know, you are a world-class overcomer. You know that? You are. You are. Many may be the afflictions of the righteous, but God's delivered us out of them all. And God, I bless John. I bless Shayla. I bless the girls. I bless his family. John, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet, I bless you today. And God, I thank you that no weapon formed against John can prosper. That every, every, every tongue lifted against him, he shall show to be in the wrong. For this is his heritage, and his righteousness is from you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 10.30 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.